Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Oh, give it up for VBS one more time, all the people who came. Man, it was an amazing, amazing time. Okay, I'm so glad you guys are here today. You guys glad to be here? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. I just want you to know, even I told them to say that, they meant it. I believe them. Well, this morning, before I even get into the Word, I want to take five minutes and I want to talk a little bit about some big things that are happening in our church these days, a little bit of vision. We are about to turn the calendar to August, and we have a number of really important intentional ministry happening. So I'm just going to list them real quick. Here's some things I want to talk about. Isaiah mentioned the men's and women's gathering, our guys and girls night. I want to talk about connect groups. I want to talk about alpha. I want to talk about church growth and how that's impacting our kids' ministries. I want to talk about a marriage event, and I want to talk about a new teaching series. Y'all ready? Real quick. I'm going to go through this blazing fast, but I want you to know that what we are talking about today is not a list of announcements. It is a vision. It is a vision to see ministry happening. It is a vision to see, you know, the fire in our hearts continue to be built. We believe God is on the move. We see it each and every day in our church. And so when we create some things to do together, it's because we know that God wants to continue to move in you. So when we talk about the guys and girls night, I just want you to know that we felt the Spirit prompt us to create this ga- these gatherings. Not because it's been a long time since we've done a men's and a women's event. We don't do them often, but we feel like with this particular one, that the Holy Spirit really wants to do something fresh in us. We do believe it's connected to this building, the fire in our church. And so I can't encourage you enough to be there. There is limited space, I will say that. Uh, guys, seem you're doing okay. You got plenty of space still, but, um, uh, but for real, it's gonna be a great, great time. I, I can't say enough about it other than I'm excited for it. And we just, we just pulled the trigger and said, let's prioritize it in August. Let's not wait. Let's, I mean, there's a lot going on in August, but we felt like this was a priority, and that's why we're doing it in August. Um, also, I want to let you know a little bit more about Connect Groups. We have Connect Groups really next week. You're going to see in our lobby. You're going to see all over our website all of our new plans for Connect Groups. And this is the place where you connect and, and, and find community in this church. It's where you get sharpened in your faith. Most of us know a little bit about groups. But in our church, we have, we have so many great connect groups. And every year, we start new ones. Uh, we start usually on a school year calendar. So August is the best time to get connected. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're new around here, if you've never taken a step, maybe you've been around a long time and you haven't taken a step to get in a connect group, this is the time. You'll see all that starting next week. Come to next step on August 13th. All of it's connected and for the hope and, uh, of building up your faith in uh, building up this body. All right, um, I want to talk about Alpha. A lot of you do know what Alpha is. If you know what Alpha is, can I hear you? <laughs> if you don't know what Alpha is, this is for anybody that wants to come and explore what, uh, life, faith, and meaning. It's a series of nine sessions. It's been an incredible part of our church over the last number of years. We've seen people coming, tons of people coming that, that just want to explore faith. They, they don't even know what they believe yet. But it's also a place for people who are new to faith to come and to build that foundation. It, it is one of the best things uh, that many people experience as they start their journey with Christ. But I will say this, you're going to hear a lot about it in August, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But as we're signing up for groups, as we're doing these things, I want a lot of you to know Alpha is also coming. And we encourage you to try Alpha. And so here's what I would say is just know that you're going to hear a lot more about it and kind of mark it as something that you may be interested in doing. Hey, church growth, um, I just want to talk about this. Maybe you've noticed that our church has been growing lately and that we're feeling 
that growth most specifically in our kids' ministry area. So we wanted you to know for a couple practical reasons, but also for a celebratory reason, that we're adding a new room next week. Woohoo! Give a hand clap for Jesus, right? So uh, we actually are just doing something temporarily for now, um, but we are taking our prayer room just on Sunday mornings only, and we have a pretty good plan to kind of flip that room into a kid's room. It'll go back to a prayer room right after church, and so the prayer room will still be the prayer room, but during this hour, uh, it'll be a kid's room. And we also are giving a facelift to our kid's uh, elementary room this over the next couple weeks and you will down in the basement and you will see that we even have plans that if we continue to grow and we need more space we kind of have a, a next step for that so those of you parents in the room that walk up and you hand your baby off and you're going do they really have this many babies in the nursery that's changing next week you'll have another room for that and so we just wanted to give you parents some assurance about uh, our plan to continue to make more room for our kids which is an amazing thing also uh, marriage event. This is another priority that we felt like the Lord prompted in us, men's, women's, and marriage. And uh, we may be doing some other things as well, but for now, I'll just kind of mention this one. Uh, it's going to be happening September 30th. Mark your calendar for it. There's a lot more details coming. It's a little ways off, but we thought we should go ahead and let you know it's coming. Um, and again, it's to build the fire, to provoke prayer in your life, a revival hope for us. And then lastly, next week, we'll be starting a new teaching series. We're calling it MADE. How many know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? You are made in the image of God, and you were made with a purpose and a plan. And so I'm excited that in August we're going to be doing that series, and so um, get ready for that as well. And obviously there's lots of normal, everyday kind of the things that we do. Student life kicks off on uh, August 16th, and then, of course, we have the worship night. We have other things going on that we do all the time, like Love Your City events coming. But I want to pray, and then we're going to... Move in to God's word. You guys ready? Do you join? Father, we just pray over these things. We, of course, pray that, Lord, you would move in and through everything we do as in, in this church. And even vision like this, we know that it's for a grander purpose than just holding a gathering or an event, that you have unique things that you want to do. So we give it to you, Lord. And, Lord, right now for this day, we pray that as we get into your word, that, Lord, you would provoke something in each of us, that there would be something that you want to say. So give us ears to hear and a heart that's open to receive. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. When I was maybe 25 years old, I was a youth pastor, and I was leading a summer camp. We, back in the day, we called it Camp Life. And I'd been a youth pastor for a year or so, and we had a lot of students going, like over 300 students going. We had like six charter buses. It was a little insane, you know what I'm saying? And on night one of this camp, I walked into the freshman guy's cabin, and they had sort of lost their minds. You know what I mean? Like, they were screaming and wrestling and creating all sorts of ruckus. You know what I'm talking about? And they were apparently pumped to be at camp. And to prove this, they had ripped a sink off the wall. They had put about three holes in the wall from wrestling with each other. And they had taken a bunch of glow sticks, and they had broken them. And they had taken the glow juice, and they had thrown it all over the room. Like a lot of juice. Like the whole room was glowing. It was like a Shrek rave in there. <laughs> there may or may not have been a Shrek rave in this room recently. If you know, you know, right? But um, <laughs> then, then I see maybe the ringleader of this group run out of the bathroom, and he had taken this glow stick juice and, like, rubbed it all over his body. He's not wearing a shirt. He's, like, bald-headed, and he is literally glowing his entire body. 
And then he does one of those, ah, you know, kind of things. And his whole mouth is glowing. Like he had swished the stuff around in his mouth like it was Listerine. And his teeth and his mouth was glowing. And I'm thinking, do we need to call a hazmat team? Like what, what is happening here? And in that moment, I realized something. I am in charge of this event. <laughs> Literally, I am the leader. Like, I didn't have anybody I can be like, hey, yo, 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 uh, cabin nine is insane, and they all look like glowing aliens. Can you go help? I realized I was the help. Like, that was me. That, I'm the one that got called. As a leader, I was not prepared for this moment. I was 25, and I had no business leading 300 teenagers out into the wilderness. But by God's grace alone, we all survived. Today, I have a message for you, and I've called it Called to Lead. We are all called to lead things that we are not prepared for, but by God's grace, he will get you through. Are you all ready to talk about how God has called you to things in life that are specifically you, but there is a calling on you as the church to do something in this world that no one else can do? You are all called. So this message has been ruminating in my heart for a few years. I actually gave a version of this talk last year at a leadership conference called Lead 22 that some of you went to. But this has kind of been reworked, and there's some more that I think that God is putting in my heart. And so I believe for a lot of us, this is a message that we're going to need today. Uh, whether or not we already know this stuff, or maybe you don't even think you need to hear a message about being called to lead, I believe we all need it. So again, message is called Called to Lead clearly about our calling and about leadership. And I have this belief that if we follow Jesus, then we are called to lead the world. In fact, the best followers are often the best leaders. As we follow Christ, we actually lead the world. Anybody agree with this? In Ephesians 4, Paul speaks to this calling. This is a letter to the church of, of a bunch of Christ followers in the city of Ephesus. And it says this, Ephesians 4, verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Pause for dramatic effect, right? That's a big statement. Let's continue. For you have been called by God. Everyone say called. You and I have been called. Now, often that calling, when we talk about it in life, can feel very like, what is my specific calling? It can get very narrow. For example, I have a friend who feels called to roast coffee beans and sell coffee. That's his calling. I have a friend who feels, another friend who feels called to coach baseball. I have another friend who feels called to change public education. These are all specific calls. But notice what it says when he says, for you have been called by God. There can become a question pretty quick for some of us. What if you don't know your narrow focus or specific call? Something that would shape your career, for example. I would say that that's okay because that's not what Paul is actually talking about here. He's actually referring to what I would call the irrevo irrevocable call on all believers. Placed on us the call to live and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to show you one of the critical things that Jesus did in order to show us how to live a life worthy of our calling. We are all called to lead, so I think we should consider the age-old question, well, what did Jesus do, right? A little WWJD action today. Y'all ready for this? 
So let's look at a practice in the life of Jesus that we find in the Gospels. We see it again and again and again. It's clearly in the heart of Jesus. Uh, And I'm just going to read a few verses that kind of help us get to some of these practices of Jesus. Mark 6.46 says this, After leaving them, he went up on a mountain to pray. Everyone say mountain. Mountain. Mm -hmm. This is going to be good. Matthew 14.23, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Matthew 24.3, as Jesus was sitting on the mount or mountain of olives, the disciples came to him privately. John 6.15, Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Matthew 17.1, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Luke 6.12, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Mark 6.3, or or excuse me, Mark 3.13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called those he wanted. How many know that Jesus loves mountains? (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves mountains. If you know me, you're already rolling your eyes. I get it. But listen, Jesus loved the beach too. He went to the beach occasionally. He even went to the surfing one time without a board. But he went to the mountains all the time. So if you're thinking, Tim, you love the mountains. No, 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 right here, Jesus loves the mountains. And there's the age-old question, are you a beach person or a mountain person, right? How many, just tell your neighbor right now, are you a beach person or a mountain person? Go ahead and tell them. It's okay, either way. Beach person or mountain person? Where are the beach, beach people at? Raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, where are the mountain people at? Okay, okay. Hey, wow, see, I'm discipling you all. There's more mountain people. Than me. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, Jesus was a mountain person, and I, I just really try to be like Jesus. Just saying. Just saying, right? No, but today we aren't talking about mountains. We're talking about the call to lead. And I bring us to this moment when Jesus went to these mountains because there's a story that really a lot of this revolves around where Jesus would go. Uh, and Luke 6 is a great place to begin. He's at the beginning of his public ministry, and he's gathered his first followers, and he hasn't officially chosen his disciples. That's where we are in the story. So most of you are, are, are aware of that part of the story. Uh, Luke 6, starting in verse 12. Let me read this. One of those days... Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Everyone say pray. Pray. Yeah, man. Pray. Jesus loves prayer. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, whom was called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, uh, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became the traitor. Now, at this time was a critical point in Jesus' ministry. He had just started really proclaiming the kingdom, and he was already receiving criticism. There was already some leadership that was plotting against him. And so he decides, in order to respond to all that, that he would choose a few leaders to train. That's how he responded to this moment. This moment is also recorded in Mark chapter 3 as well. It says this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority and to drive out demons. Now, I'm not talking about this last line, but that's good news, right? That all followers of Jesus have authority over the enemy. You understand that? We can trample the enemy. He's given us that authority. I like that. Notice what Jesus did, though. Jesus goes up on a mountain, and he called to him those that he wanted to be with. Do you see that in that verse? He chose who he wanted to be with. How many know that's good news? You're allowed to choose 
who you want to be with. Isn't that freeing? How many of you guys are like, I didn't know I had a choice? Listen, you don't if you're related. You got to be with them. But everybody else, there's some good news here. You get to choose who you want to be with. One of my longtime uh, mentors, his name is Bo, um, he, he leads a coaching ministry, and it, it's built really on this scripture. And he wrote a book called The Be With Factor back in the day for student ministry, and, and he planted this vision in my heart where I'm always asking the question, who am I choosing to be with? Who am I choosing to be with in my life? And who, who am I choosing, if you go a little deeper, to disciple? Who am I choosing to lead? And I, you know, Bo's word would be, who are you coaching? Who are you mentoring? In fact, there's a tool that I've used over the years. I'll throw it on screen. It's called the Mentoring Constellation. I originally got this from a guy named uh, Dr. Robert Clinton in a class I took when I was in seminary and it, in a class called Making, The Making of a Leader. And I've tweaked it a bit over the years, but the basic premise is that every good leader will surround themselves with people who they're choosing to be with. So you're going to surround yourself with an older or wiser person that's going to pour into you. You're going to you're going to surround yourself with a younger person that you can pour yourself into and lead. And you're going to surround yourself with peers who you could be sharpened and encouraged by. And so the idea is that you would have at least one person in each of those little bubbles there. Uh, so you would have one mentor that's older, wiser, one mentee that you're pouring into, and a couple peers that you are sharpened by. That's the idea, the basic idea. And ever since I kind of became aware of this, this is something that I try and model in my life. And this calling... To lead begins with who are you choosing to be with? Who are you choosing to be, be with? Which ultimately will lead us to this question, who are you leading? Which we'll get to that at the end. If you're a follower of Jesus, these are key questions. This is something that Jesus did. Jesus left us to continue his work. There's no plan B. Do you guys realize that? We're it. We're his plan. Plan A, plan one, the only plan that exists for God to continue his work on the earth is his people choosing to follow his ways. Are you all with me? The heart and passion behind this message is simply this. We want to raise up people in our church who care about raising up people in our church. Can I say it again? Put it on screen. We want to raise up people in our church who care about raising up people in our church. Anybody agree with that? We want to, po we want to point you to the example set by Christ. We want to raise up spiritual leaders and spiritual parents and mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers who live a life worthy of their calling. I thought and prayed a lot about today's message because it is a little bit different. It's not a part of a series. We're not doing a series of talks on leadership. It is a one shot. What do we want to talk about today? What's something in our heart that we feel like we want embedded in the heart of this church? And it's this. We want to raise up people who in our church who care about raising up people in our church. It's a calling. It's not a job or responsibility. <laughs> I'm responsible to mow my yard. Definitely not called to do it. <laughs> I'm called to pastor this church, though, and my heart towards both is different. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Following Jesus, leading for Jesus, it's not, a, it's not a responsibility or a job. It's calling. Yeah. You are called to to pay your, I mean, excuse me, you are responsible to pay for your bills. Hopefully you do it. But you're called to love your neighbor. And it's a different feeling. It's a different heart. We must follow Jesus as a calling, not a responsibility. 
So I want to think about what Jesus said in Matthew 28. This is like, you know, everybody knows this passage if you've been around church for any amount of time. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, we know this as the great commish, right? <laughs> and this is what it says. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. How many? Hold on, I thought there were 12. Well, I just want to say, Judas obviously is no longer there. I just want to, I want to encourage us, not everyone we choose to lead is going to work out. But it doesn't mean we don't choose to lead. So Jesus, or excuse me, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain, right, where Jesus had told them to go. So we know Jesus loves mountains. He likes to go to the mountain. But he probably says, hey, go to the mountain where I chose you in the beginning. It's probably the same mountain, right? Then he goes on. It says, when they, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. This is really key too, right? Sometimes we don't focus on these parts of the scriptures. Jesus was choosing people who doubted him. Do you understand that even in our doubts, our questions, and the things that we've said that might not be all that God-honoring, he still chooses you? Some doubted, but he chose them anyway. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age to which we can all say, thank you, Jesus, for that truth that you are with us, because without you, we are spent, we are done, we are unable, we need you. So this calling to go and make disciples, this is the most classic like sermon material ever, right? Go and make disciples. We call it discipleship. And it has been the core of what the church has been about for centuries, ever since this moment on a mountain when Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples, right? So again, we call this discipleship, right? Let's talk about discipleship. Everyone say discipleship. discipleship. Can I take you to a little bit of like Bible training school for just a second? Y'all okay with that? You guys want to learn something today? Because a lot of us use the word discipleship to mean something specific. Discipleship is often defined in our brains as like this one-on-one -on -one process that we do with another person. You know what I mean? It becomes this question, well, who are you discipling? I don't know. Who are you discipling? And there's this question around discipleship all the time. Like, are we discipling someone? Someone might say, so-and-so discipled me as if everything that they'd ever learned about Jesus came from that one person. Right? And here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with the definition of people talking about discipleship that way. But if I could, I want to help us think about discipleship in a little bit broader context. I see discipleship as the holistic work of the church, right? To, to, truly, to truly teach someone else what Jesus says, everything I have commanded is going to take the work of the entire church. One person can't be responsible for that. To make disciples, it means everything we do. And so when people come to me sometimes and they ask about our church, they say, hey, so what do you guys do for discipleship? And what they're really asking is, uh, do you have like a program? Do you, do you do like one-on-one -on -one mentoring? Like what, what's the thing? Like what material are you using? How do you do groups? What they're asking is for pragmatics around discipleship. And I just want to look at them and say, uh, everything we do is for discipleship. What do you mean? Well, Sunday mornings are discipleship, worship's discipleship, um, connect groups are discipleship, kids' ministry discipleship, like literally everything in this church. You can't pick one thing that we do in this church, even eating snow cones. It's for discipleship. What do you mean? Well, it's fellowship. It's understanding like we can, have, we can be friends. Like everything is for discipleship. And so I'm constantly trying to like 
I'm, tr- I'm, tr- I'm trying to always build this vision that, listen, the holistic work of the church is discipleship. And yes, one-on-one investing can be called discipleship. It's part of discipleship. There's an important distinction, though, I think, when we say there's something a little different about that. Because some people will go as far as to say, like, oh, my church is a discipling church, as if they've discovered the Bible or something. And I'm like, they say with a bit of a prayer, a bit of pride or whatever, and I'm always like, what are you talking about? Or some people say churches have just lost the art of discipleship. And I'm like, listen, like, I think you're using the word wrong. And I don't mean that rude, but I'm like, most of the people who say that are standing on decades or years of listening to sermons and singing thousands of songs and being in multiple small group sessions, they've been discipled by the church for decades. And then they say, you know what? This is all about discipleship. And I'm like, yeah, a church discipling you taught you that. So I, I, I don't know. This is a little bit of a soapbox, but what I'm trying to say is, listen, if everything we do is discipleship, um, when Jesus says go and make disciples, and we think there's only one way to do that, then a lot of us are going to feel like failures. Because if, we've never, if we don't have the story where we dragged someone out of the dirt, did all we could to lead them to a salvation moment where they've received Christ and then walked with them for two or three years, discipling them through mentorship meetings over the course of two or three years, well, then we're failing at making disciples. But I'm offering to you something different. The fact that if you are part of the work of the church and we believe that it's going to take all of us to disciple this generation, then you can be a part of making disciples. Does that mean, am I pulling back against one-on-one? No, we're going to get there. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to give us some new terminology. So, the, so for the sake of um, you thinking that I don't think discipleship is with one-on-one is a bad thing, I want to just give you a different term. And the term is mentorship. Mentorship is a great word for one-on-one intentional passing on our faith from one person to another. I mean, I've had a lot of mentors over the years. Some of you have had mentors over the years. I've tried to mentor people in my life. Because a mentor is a trusted guide or counselor, ultimately a, a, a mentor is like a trail guide, right, that, that leads you in the ways of Jesus, showing you the narrow path that leads to life as best as they can, showing you that, listen, you, you can't depend on me to teach you everything. You need the whole work of the church in your life. You know, I realize that uh, mentorship is not an exclusively biblical word, but I believe it accurately describes kind of that thing that a lot of people are saying the church needs to do a better job at. And instead of using the word discipleship, I'm always saying, I think you're talking about mentorship, one-on-one. So let me just give you a few terms here. Leadership, discipleship, mentorship. It's all the ships. Leadership is the general call for all followers of Jesus to, to, to lead ourselves and the world around us for the sake of God's kingdom. Discipleship is the holistic work of the entire church to make disciples. Y'all following me? And mentorship is the specific work of a person intentionally choosing someone to be with in order to lead, counsel, train, guide, encourage, and or teach the ways of Jesus. See, the distinctions I think are important. We can't just generically say we need a disciple. We need to say, no, we need more mentors. Because here's what we know. Here's what we know. One stat put out by Barna Research shows that only about 5% of people in the church are mentoring others. That's not very many. That's not enough, right? Yeah, we're all included. We're all working on this idea of making disciples, but part of what we need are more mentors. And so our vision as a church, and I'm getting a little tactical for you because I need you to get, we're trying to cast something that I felt like God has put in our heart to be faithful to lead in. But our vision as a church these past few years to kind of 
do this is to take the long journey of reshaping our view of leadership, discipleship, and mentorship. Because we don't want to programize mentorship, right? We, we don't want to throw a few good ideas at it and say we did it. We want to envision you to be a mentor. We want to envision you to be someone who wants to lead, who wants to choose others to be with. And we also want to equip mentors and give you tools to do it. So just so you know, we're not going to have some mentorship program where you ever get to sign up for a mentor. Because here's what would happen if I said, hey, we're going to do a mentorship program. We'd have a ton of people that sign up to say, I need a mentor. Because everyone needs a mentor, but few feel called to mentor. So I am not interested if you want a mentor. Everybody in this room wants one. I need people, we need people that say, and I'm going to be it. I'm going to mentor. So that's what we're focused on, is envisioning mentors. I have no problem with wanting mentors. Like, we're going to fill every, I mean, we're going to fill that need as best we can. But until we have more mentors, there's no, there's, there's no purpose in saying, hey, uh, who wants mentored? We all want it. So I believe every one of you is a potential mentor, even if you think things like, no way, not me. I'm, I'm at best a mentee. Uh, I don't have what it takes. I'm not confident. I'm not prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. That's what, I mean, there's all sorts of examples in the Bible. That's what Moses said. That's what the disciples said. That's what every good leader says. All of us are called to lead, though. We don't all feel prepared, though, do we? But by God's grace, he'll lead us through. The picture I want to paint today is simple. It's being intentional with someone in your life. It could look like going to coffee and just asking questions about their life, trying to be an encouragement to them, trying to build them up in their faith. It could be like two friends getting together and say, you know what, we should use the scripture to actually sharpen one another. And to not just make everything about frivolous surface level stuff in the world, but making something of deep with depth and substance in your life. It looks like, you know, you saying, you know what, that person, I want to pour my life into them. And it might look like you saying, you know what, I need that person to pour into me. So you go ask them. It's really simple. It's a simple picture of people choosing who they want to be with. Who do you want to be with? I'm so thankful that my daughters have had women in this church who have taken this call seriously. I mean, Riley and Leslie and Cassie and Ashley and Kiana have like poured into my girls. Do you know how thankful I am as a dad for that? I mean, we want that for our children, don't we? We need to be that for other people's children. So I want to show you something that we've created to help. It's on our website. It's on our app. We call this the Mentor Toolbox. If you can see this over here, it says this. As mentors, the key is not what you talk about. The key is showing up to talk. So we give you stuff to talk about so you can do the hard work of showing up. Are you all with me? Oh my gosh. Am I losing anybody in here? Nope. Are you all feel, do you all feel like I need to like rev up and be like motivational or inspirational or something? Or I can, can I just speak truth today? Speak truth? I'm going to speak truth even though some of you need that motivation. But here's what I want to say is that we believe you are called to lead. We're not, we're, we literally want to give you tools. So one of the things we felt inspired to do is say, hey, how can we put tools in the hands of mentors so they don't have to figure out what to say. They can just show up and talk. So we want to help you with that. So we've created this about a year ago, but we've never shared with about it on Sunday until now. And we've added some tools recently. 
There's 13 different tools. You can go and show, if you go to the app, you'll, you know, you scroll down, there's a thing that says mentor toolbox eventually right there. You click it, you're gonna see about 13 different tools. There's more on there than even on that video right there. Uh, some of them we just added the other day. You click the tool, you'll see something like, if you click growth cycle, you'll see the tool, it's a visual aid, right? Like a, like a visual tool. And then it has one, two, three, or four sessions that goes along with that tool. It's really simple. It's, got, it's, it's like, it's all formatted for your phone. So a, a mentor can be like, hey, I can just lead a discussion. I don't have to figure this out. It's not rocket science. They've given me tools. But here's what I know about tools. Tools are only useful when they're in the hands of a craftsman. And so unless these get used by, you are the craftsman, right? You are the leader, you are the guide, you are the, the person that's going to pour into someone. And unless you use these tools, they're, they're kind of useless, aren't they? So you're the leader. So I'm asking you a question today, and it's going to be really big on the screen, and it's a really big question, simple question, but who are you leading? Who are you choosing to be with? Who are you choosing to pour your life into? And perhaps you're thinking... Timmy, don't understand, uh, life is really busy. Anybody feel that pain? Life is a little crazy for me right now. I'm sort of in survival mode, so the thought of me choosing other people to pour into feels like a lot. As much as nobody wants to admit that that's how we feel, that's how a lot of us feel, right? Some of us are like, no, I just can't imagine being intentional and that kind of way. It feels weird. Listen, it's only weird because we've made it weird. It's not weird. I mean, learning from others is actually pretty basic to being human. Like, if we didn't learn from others, we wouldn't make it very far. So the best leaders, though, are the ones who say, you know what, I'll take that on and I'll push through the awkward if there is any and I'll do what needs to be done because I believe I'm called to it. But if you're like that and you're like, you know, this isn't me, I don't have what it takes, I get it. I just want to offer an alternative perspective if you're like, I've never really pictured myself doing that. I just show up to church. I might serve here or there. You know, I've never thought of myself as a leader. I get it. But until we live into our calling... I believe that we'll never truly and fully live. Instead, we'll settle for surviving. Many of us are surviving because we've yet to trust in the call that the Lord has put on your life, which is to go and lead the world, to go and lead people one at a time, to choose people to be with. You are called to lead. You may not feel prepared for it, you may be like some 25-year-old youth pastor in over their head. But by God's grace, he'll lead you as you lead others. I believe that wholeheartedly. So I want to give you three things about, you know, what Jesus did. Um, remember I said that we're going to look at what Jesus did, a little WWJD action today. He did three things that I shared today. One, he went up on the mountain. <laughs> I joke about mountains, but here we are in Oklahoma. We don't have any mountains, so how do we do this one? Um, well, the point, of course, is Jesus withdrew to places to get alone and to connect with God. You know, in, in John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he calls this the Eremos. The Eremos is the place of wilderness and, 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 and stepping back to get away from people in order to connect with God. So Jesus would go into the Eremos. He would go into the wilderness. He would go to the mountain. 
And so the Ramos is sometimes the mountains, sometimes it's your backyard, sometimes it's the chair. It's any place you can go and you can get alone and you can connect and get quiet before God. Because here's what he's doing. The second thing is he prayed. He prayed about others. And, and I read the scriptures, but in Luke 12, uh, 6, 12, it says that he went to the mountainside to pray, but he spent the whole night praying. When it says that, I'm just always sort of like, he was praying about who he was going to be with all night long. I can't remember the last time that I prayed with such fervency about who am I choosing to be with. But I'm constantly, when I read that, I'm like, Lord, I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray about who I'm choosing to be with in my life. And I need you to speak to me. And so he started praying about it. Have you prayed? God, give me wisdom. How do you want me to give away what I have? How do you want me to lead? Then after he prayed, number three, he chose a few to be with. He made a choice to do something. You know, a lot of times when we pray, we, need, we ask God to do something. And in this case, Jesus said, Lord, help me do something. And I think so often, like, we take me out of the equation of the something. We think God's going to do it all, but sometimes he's equipped you and envisioned you and called you to be the one to go and do it. And in this case, he did it. Not only did he choose, but he called them by name. Who are you calling by name right now? Who are you calling by name to say, that's, that's who I'm investing in. That's who I'm leading. That's who I care about. That's, who, that's my friend that sharpens me. That, who is it? Call them by name. It can't be this general sense of, yeah, I'm a good person and I try and be really, you know, kind to people. No, no, no. It's, it's, a, choo it's a choice. Who are, you, who are you with in life? That's what Jesus did. He went to the mountain. He prayed about people in his life. And he chose a few to be with. That is the simple way to live a life worthy of your calling. You are all called to lead. I hope today's message is one of those that like sticks in your brain for a long time, circulates in your heart, and you find yourself praying about people down the road that you're like, man, where did that come from? You don't even remember where it came from. It was just the seed that the Lord planted in your heart today that you are called to lead. Let's pray together. In fact, will you stand as we pray? Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in us today. We are open to what you want to do in our life. May we take this call of leadership in our life, may we, may we take it seriously. May we live a life worthy of the calling that you have placed on us to go and live and to spread the gospel of Jesus, God. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your goodness and trusting us and, and, and partnering with us and pulling us into your story. Will you raise up people in this church who care about raising up people in this church, God? I pray that over this body. You know, as we close with heads bowed, I would just encourage you to just allow this next few minutes to just be a space for you to just invite the Holy Spirit to move in your life, to move freely in this place, to move freely in you. He may be prompting you to pray about people. He may be prompting you to pray about your calling. And I always know this, every time we gather, people come in with serious needs, serious hopes, serious challenges that you carry into this place. And, and this is your time that you can come and you say, God, I need you. I need you to come into my life. I need your help. So we're gonna create some space for that as we worship. This altar will be open. Our prayer team will be here in the front, back in the back corner. We'd love to pray with you or you can just come to the altar on your own, but we're gonna worship. We're gonna respond to him. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you did all the work. Thank you that you've invited us 
into something that is bigger than ourselves, that, Father, we would never feel that it's a responsibility, but, Father, that it's a calling that we get to live into, to experience the life that you've called us to live. Father, we love you. We thank you. You're so good. Thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Respond as you feel led. Our prayer team will be up here. We'd love to pray with you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.